It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, ends up, yes. touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in on a Friday. A couple different things we want to get through today here on the show. Uh, Utah Jazz uh, get back in the win column uh, with a pretty definitive victory over Houston on the road. And Lowry Markinen with a career night in doing so. Uh, Utah State uh, men's basketball on the road tomorrow. Tomorrow afternoon taking on Boise State in Boise. So what do we know about the Broncos and their season so far? And uh, a few teams in Region 11 in action tonight, uh, but uh, Region 11 really gets going next week. So kind of a look at uh, um, a, a brief look at what's going on tonight and how you can follow along uh, games on the schedule for today. So, uh, And as always, we'd love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in, um, and there's uh, the, the going into the game last night for Utah Jazz. Uh, David Locke shared this on his social uh, accounts before the game, is that uh, Utah had lost five in a row going into the game, and Houston had lost five in a row going into their matchup. Something had to give. The big difference was that Utah had lost their five games by a combined 15 points. Houston had lost their 15 games by a combined 85 points. Just a little different. Just a bit outside. Uh, and then interesting note, um, our, our article today on The Athletic from Tony Jones, who follows the, uh, the Jazz, he uh, got together with the beat writer for Houston, I don't know if they were doing this during the game or immediately following the game, but basically the, the two of them kind of explored, here are two franchises that are in rebuild modes who have traded away their stars, and how are their trajectories different? Now, Houston, it's not exactly the same because they're in year like two and a half of being without James Harden. Um. And I guess Russell Westbrook was part of that. Uh, or was it Chris Paul? I can't remember. A little bit of both, to <laughs> A little be bit honest. of both at some point. So Houston had some real stars. And the last few years, uh, they, they haven't. And so you look at where these two teams are right now. I mean, very different storylines, at least for this season and how it's playing out for both these franchises, where Houston has only won 10 games all the year and Utah has won 20. Utah is in the playoff hunt. Houston is definitely not. Yeah, and really, when you're looking at Houston, they've gone the full OKC. Or not quite. I mean, they haven't accumulated as many draft picks, but they've you know tanked and they've drafted young players 
They're drafting in the top five consistently. You know, they got Jalen Green at number two. And I think them, the guy they drafted this year, Jabari Smith, I think he was he was a top five pick, right? Can't remember exactly where. He was the third pick. So they've had a couple of top three picks uh, on their team. And, they, and they, of course, the Rockets also had like several first-round picks, I think, this last year. And Alperin Sangrun is a guy who's another lottery pick. So they've gone the route where they've accumulated as many lottery picks as possible, and they're just throwing them out there. Um, they have veterans filling out the roster. You know, Eric Gordon's in there. Of course, being a veteran on that squad, Eric Gordon's been the subject of a lot of trade rumors. Um, but the Houston's gone the whole, like, just throw out the young guys on there. Like, I'm trying to count all the players on their roster that have three or fewer years of experience. One, two, three, four. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 players on uh, what I think is out of uh, 16 or 17. This is just on, These are guys that have appeared on the roster at some point. Um, that's how many guys have three or few years of experience. A lot of them rookies or second-year guys. So the, the Rockets are just throwing young guys out. And the Jazz, they're, we would have thought they were heading that way. You know, year one, when they trade away their stars, you can't always just build it on young players. Like, the Rockets have been accumulating these guys for two or three years. Mm-hmm. We'd have thought the Jazz were going to go a similar way. They may still yet. And it kind of goes to show they're in different parts of a rebuild, although there's the very real possibility the Jazz don't go that direction with the rebound. The Rockets are taking the bottom out, trying to hit on some young star and build it that way. We're not sure if that's the way the Jazz are trying to go. They may try to go with the stealth rebuild of get lucky in the draft, you know, at the late lottery, which if you can manage that, it is the best way to do it. Right. But it's really hard to do it. You know, odds are you're more likely to find your number one guy higher in the draft. That's why teams will bottom out. It's a very, it's a very ugly way to do it. Which is the drawback of that, you know, form of doing it. Right. Your your likelihood of finding a generational talent within the first three picks, uh, or your odds are pretty high. Your odds of finding a generational talent middle of the first round, slim. Yeah. You eventually find those guys with their diamond in the rough guys that happen they, they happen every couple of years. You know, you can find them. The Giannis's, the Gobert's, Devin Booker was in Donovan Mitchell, both guys who were kind of Jokic. in that late lottery. Yeah, Jokic was Jokic is the outlier of outliers. <laughs> That's true. He's the only MVP to ever be drafted outside the first round. It's And he, now he's done it twice, and now he's looking at a third MVP. But we'll see if my rants about you know people not letting him win a third MVP in a row will actually hold true at this point. But, yeah, the Jazz... We don't know what they're doing. We're in year one. We don't know exactly what they're doing. They may try to bottom out yet. But they may try to go with the the the, the higher altitude tank where you try and stay in that late lottery borderline playoffs because it's a friendlier environment to develop players. The Boston Celtics model. Yeah. In in the Jazz, even to some degree with, you know, getting Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, you know, transitioning from the Gordon Hayward era into the Mitchell and Gobert era, um, they transitioned very smoothly. They had a they had a ready made playoff team for Donovan Mitchell to step into and be a leading scorer and fit his style of play. 
And so that was an incredible place for Donovan Mitchell to develop himself. Much better than if he'd gone to, say, the Sacramento Kings. Or the Orlando Magic. Or maybe the Rockets of now. The Rockets back then would have been a decent spot. But, you know, maybe a team like the Rockets now. Or Oklahoma City now. Where it can be a bit of a struggle to develop guys. Because they're not in as easy a place to develop. It's baptism by fire. And not everybody survives getting burned like that. Yeah, I mean, I look at the the current standings, like, in the uh, – I'll start with the Eastern Conference. I'm not going to go through all of them, but when I look at these teams in the Eastern Conference um, and teams that are playoff teams now, um, how many of them were teams who bottomed out and went that route of finding you know, guys um, going, you know, playing the lottery game? And certainly Cleveland had a, a big drop after LeBron left. And they've been accumulating young talent through the draft. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell was just kind of the, the I don't know what you call it, the, the, I want to call it the crown jewel, but the, the keystone it's, piece in yeah, the middle it's, it's, to move it forward to a next level. Yeah, supposedly the final one. Because, yeah, they got Evan Mobley at, like, number two or number three. But, yeah, they've, they've not bottomed out as much. It was like a one-year bottom as opposed to a two- or three-year just, you know, bottom-of-the-barrel team. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that I see too many other teams right now that are playoff teams who have uh, been down there for an for extended period of time. Yeah, Philadelphia, the Kings. Well, Philadelphia for you know, the early part of Embiid's career. The Suns. Uh, Um, okay, so there's a, few. For a few years. There's a few. It happens. The Pelicans were down there for a couple of years. But, I mean, if you look at, like, the top three in each conference, I think your point stands. I'm not meaning to – I'm just poking small holes in this. I think overall your point stands, um, especially when you look at the top three. I mean, Celtics, Bucks, Brooklyn uh, in, the, in the east, and then Denver, Memphis, and New Orleans in the west, where it's like – you know, if you look at the last ten years, you can fly, probably find a couple of bad years for each of these teams, but they're teams that have generally not tried to go the way of the complete bottom out tank. And that's just kind of the way it is sometimes. That, that's why I say like the the high altitude tank, where it's like you get lucky on like a number eleven pick, or I guess middle of the second round pick if you're Denver. Whereas like that's why it works better, but it's worked for a handful of teams. And, of course, the Celtics, they got Jason Tatum at three. That was just a smart draft pick. So they're kind of an exception. Um, Brooklyn's almost another exception. So it's like there's an argument to be made that, sure, the Jazz should try and chase this, but how likely are they to hit? Are they going to find a once-in-a-history second-round MVP? Are they you know, going to get the number one pick like the Pelicans did and also get, in a trade, a former number two overall pick? In Brandon Ingram, are they going to be able to trade for two all-stars plus the guy who's a Hall of Fame MVP guy? I guess you know Kyrie Irving's probably also a Hall of Fame caliber guy. Are they going to? They may be in line with the Timberwolves. They may be in line to to pull a Boston Celtics here though by getting a high pick from the Timberwolves. So that is a distinct possibility. But if they don't, or they could be like the Milwaukee Bucks and draft an all-time athletic freak at like 15th overall, like. This is the high odds game that the Jazz are trying to play where it's like all these teams 
are as high as they are because they didn't have to bottom out completely, but for a number of reasons, just lucked into having all-time players, or at least all genera- like all you know, this generation type players. Yeah, and that's true. And the other thing too is this Jazz team. Is we kind of talked about this in our New Year's resolutions. Um, this, this Jazz team is in a kind of in a, a precarious. I don't know if precarious is the right word, but they're in an interesting situation where they have maybe about four more weeks, maybe five, to decide really who they are and who they're going to be. Because the the trade market is going to be heating up here soon. So are the Jazz going to be buyers to try to maintain their hunt to stay in the playoffs, to fill uh, or shore up gaps that, uh, that have caused them to lose some of these games that they've experienced? Or are they going to be sellers and say, look, we're developing a lot of young talent on this team that others would like to have, and... We're about accumulating assets, not just draft picks, but also in future development players. And so uh, they've been featuring players, and and some guys are resurrecting their careers. And Utah could potentially be a a place where they kind of hold the whole trade market in their hands if people are looking for particularly guys on the wings. So... The issue with the trademark is there's really only one direction I see where the Jazz can benefit long-term, and that's in trading veterans away. If you're looking to be buyers in the market, you'd have to be looking for a star who becomes, you know, the crown jewel and the guy that, that fixes all the problems. The thing is that there's not a ton of examples where that strategy has worked, especially not mid-season. It worked for Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors, but the Raptors were much more suited for that kind of trade than the Jazz are now. That was a team that was consistently like number one in the East. They just kept choking because they didn't quite have a Kawhi Leonard-esque player. But they had the Pascal Siakams. I think they had OG uh, on that team. They had yeah, Kyle they had Lowry. Lowry. So th- they had a lot more guys than, than Utah does to add, you know, an MVP, and I know Kawhi Leonard's not really been an MVP candidate, but he's you know up there in terms of you can argue he's a top five player, at least at the time you could. So the Jazz aren't really in a position to be a buyer, firstly because they don't have a complete enough team to add that final piece to. Second, who on earth are you trading for? Like I like John Collins as much as the next guy, but trading for him is an enormous waste of resources because he can be good. I, like I said, I like John Collins. What is he doing long-term? Not a whole lot. And you're already stacking up on front court, guys. You've already got marketing. And, you know, you've got Kessler. You know, you got to be focused on trying to find the number one overall guy. And, again, another problem with, with Collins is you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. So, and you have to be able to realize, like, we eventually have to pay the superstar that we're going to try and get from somewhere, be it the draft or from trade or whatever, you can't load up on a bunch of expensive mid-borderline all-star guys and then expect to have room to fit in another you know, ginormous contract. Because um, you have to overpay the marketings and the Collins to stay here. So that's just there's just a ton of issues with that kind of thing. 
So it's like, sure, there's pieces out there, but there's nothing that really fits the timeline of the Jazz, as good as some of the players out there on the market are. So for me, there's just not much reason for the Jazz to be buyers right now. They need to be sellers. They need to be, you know, it's probably not going to be a Mike Conley or, you know, somebody else like that. It'll probably be a Malik Beasley or just somebody else. One of these pieces that can be attractive, you know, a score like Malik Beasley or or whatnot. Now, Jordan Clarks is out there, but he's kind of becoming a bit of a franchise favorite that's hard to trade and that'd be hard to sell to the fans. It's why Beasley is such an attractive trade piece for the Jazz is he's valuable and there's not a ton of sentimental value attached to him. True. And if they hadn't have given Colin Sexton a contract, he'd probably be in that that discussion too. But still, you could trade Beasley, you can get some pieces back, maybe trade another veteran. You, maybe you could trade a Conley, but still, you, know, you can find a way to trade some of the veterans, trade some of the extra pieces, accumulate more assets. Don't necessarily take apart this team. Bring it back next year. You know, hopefully, if you get. Like, the ideal situation is the Jazz get lucky and end up with, like, a top three pick. And then they bring a top three pick. Let's say they end up with Scoot Henderson. Bring him into next season. And suddenly, maybe you have that situation where you've just brought in an uber-talented prospect into this kind of team. A team that doesn't bottom out. It's not, you know, high playoff team, but it's not bottoming out. Bringing all you know an all-time talent into that program, that team, that could push you over the top in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And I'm also pulling up and looking at the the Utah uh, contract situation, and the Jazz are what was it out of? Uh, well, there's 30 NBA teams. Yeah, uh, Jazz are number 21 as term in uh, as far as like team salary. Um, so they're they're not overspending like they were with the previous iteration of this team, this squad. Yeah. Um, Mike Connolly, he's the highest paid player on the roster, earning $22.6 million this year. He has a, uh, um, a non-guaranteed contract of $24 million next year. But the thing is, like a lot of these guys, they're under contract for this year and next, but very few guys are under contract beyond that. Yeah, and so there's a lot of contract flexibility with this team. You know, that's why that's part of why I'm skeptical of basically anybody on this team being here in two years, because so much can change. Um, you know, Lowry, sixteen and a half this year, seven, a little over seventeen next year, uh, and then a not fully guaranteed contract in twenty four twenty five, which would be just over eighteen. Yeah. If he so keeps still a pretty good deal. Yeah, and if you keep playing, and if he keeps playing like this, he's going to earn himself a bigger deal. And you have to keep in mind with that. that's why I brought up you know John Collins' potential salary. Where okay, if you have let's say you have Markin and, and John Collins in there, they're both going to get pretty large, close to max deals if they come in and play as as well as we hope. Because the hope would be Collins comes in from Atlanta, gets out of what seems to be an increasingly toxic situation there comes here and maybe has a similar resurgence the way that Markinen did. Markinen not necessarily coming out of a toxic Cleveland, but finally came into a system that just happened to work with him. Right. Um, so two guys, let's say they revitalize themselves. Collins ends up being a 20-10 and 10 guy. You pair him with Markinen, who's you know kind of a 20-7 and 7 guy, at least right now, although last 
couple weeks he's playing like a 31 and 10 guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but like, but are Markin and Collins taking you to the promised land? No, they'll probably take you to the you know fourth or fifth seed, but you'll end up paying them a ton. And where's the room for an, the the real capstone guy? Yeah, I think Markin and you know, he. He's being he's great for Utah right now, and it's fun watching him play. But he is not a number one option for a playoff or title contending team. Uh, he's he would make a great number two. Yeah, and and that's he, he, he's. But you need that other guy. Yeah, he's in that kind of Clay Thompson mold, where Clay Thompson is basically the Hall of Fame version of a number two guy. He could score a lot, but he's not necessarily leading a team as their best scorer. Um, he'd average a lot of points, just like marketing can average a lot of points. But he's best when he has another player that's able to create their own shot. He's an off-ball master. Like, Clay Thompson is the goat of off-ball play. Except, I don't know, Curry's actually pretty good off-ball too, but still. Clay makes a ton of shots, makes a ton of points without taking up usage. Which, there's a lot of value in that. It doesn't lead you to a championship if that's your best. But he's the kind of role player that gives you a championship, you know, with your star. You know, it's the Scottie Pippen to the Michael Jordan, the Chris Middleton to the Giannis. You know, you need those that secondary guy because if you don't, then you end up with Luka Doncic in the Mavs. You know, absolutely superb season by Luka and nothing to show for it because his number two is um, Tim Hardaway Jr., I don't know if Tim Hardaway Jr. is still on the map. I was going to say, I was curious to see who you'd name as his number two because I wouldn't be able to name his number two. <laughs> I think Jalen Brunson was kind of it last year. <laughs> but but now he's gone. So it's like, you know, you have to have that number two. So that's why marketing can be valuable to keep around. You might want to keep him around. To have him be the veteran number two to the guy you eventually bring in because that's the goal. The goal right now is to find that you know, superstar, that guy that can be in the argument for being top five because that's what you need. For every championship team that has, like, a realistic chance at winning the title, you have to have a guy who's, like, at least in the argument for top five player. If you don't, I'm sorry. You can name me the Detroit Pistons of 04 all you want. But one outlier in, like, 75 years of basketball? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not counting on that. No. No. And it was also 2004, like the worst era of basketball. And also the least efficient era of basketball. We're in the era where offense is king and it's the best, most efficient offense we've ever played in the history of the NBA. I mean, we're seeing things like, uh, it's, I don't know that we've ever seen so much individual scoring. I mean, just think of the last few weeks. Like almost every night somebody's putting 45, 50, 60 points on the board. Yeah. And it's not like one guy who's just having a otherworldly season. It's like a lot of different guys are doing it. Yeah, it's everyone. Everyone's doing it. So you need a guy that can do that. And there's a difference between the Devin Bookers who put up 50 points and Donovan Mitchells who put up seven, then the Kevin Durant and LeBron James, or at least LeBron James of four or five years ago. And, you know, the Giannis is where there's some guys who are actually able to lead their team to a championship and others just put up empty stats. Yeah, it's true. Or at least... Sometimes you put up empty stats earlier in your career and you learn to lead your team, but still, you you got to find that top five player. And that's, again, that's that's the quest for the Jazz right now. Find him. You don't have him. 
As much as we all love Lowry Markin, we're going to push for him to be an all-star, and he maybe can pull it off. He's not that guy, and we all know it. He's been a complete surprise and has proved me wrong completely. On uh, I was downplaying him, and I was wrong. But we need, we need to find the guy. Right. I mean, yes, he surprised all of us. Uh, loved seeing what he did internationally, but um, I don't think any of us saw the type of season he would have uh, saw that coming. But he's uh, it's awesome watching him play and what he can do. But he needs the the, the team needs another great uh, player on the court because um, right now they are like they the the standings you know ball don't lie. I mean the standings are what they are. Utah is the number ten team in the West. And uh, you got one guy who's a fringe all-star. Uh, pair him with another guy who's a who's a legit all-star, and you know he, if he gets to the all-star and continues on this current trajectory, then Utah will be a regular playoff contender. Will they be a title contender? Now there's still several pieces away from making that happen. Yeah, if the other you know all-star they're pairing him with is like an all-NBA guy, that's when you're looking at top three seed. That's when you're looking at real playoff contention. And then at that point, it's like, all right, you got your number one, number two, but then there's also the roster construction of does everything else work? Because then you're looking at your third and fourth guys because you need good third and fourth guys. There's also that one random rotation player who just plays an absolute pivotal role the entire playoffs. You know, Manny Ginobili, that, he's based what a lot of people think is a Hall of Fame career on basically being that rotation guy who plays really well in the playoffs. But just... Go back to all the championship teams. There's that one guy who played really well that is basically a nobody, but for a while has played really well. Danny Green's kind of that way as well. Yeah, he's been yeah, that just kind of one rotation guy that just plays really well. And there, there's examples of that on, like, every championship team for the last however long you want to go back. Uh, all right, got to take a timeout here in the full court press. More about what's going on in the current standings in the NBA. And uh, Utah Jazz with a nice win last night. Now where do they go next? They've got uh, a couple more games on the road before they return back home. And speaking of being on the road, the Utah State Aggies are on the road tomorrow afternoon. They're in Boise to take on the Broncos. We'll talk about them as well. Coming up on the full court press. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options and the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. Imagine your wedding day. Elegant, simple, yet stunning, stress-free. It's your day. It's all about you. Whether you're looking for small and simple or have a grander idea, the Riverwoods Conference Center will accommodate your every need. Choose the inside ballroom elegance or outside along the natural decor of the beautiful Logan River. A Riverwoods event planner will work personally with you to make sure your event is exactly how you've envisioned it. The Riverwoods Conference Center, where your happily ever after begins. Google Riverwoods Conference Center or call 750 511 
1-800-227-7151. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install for Vermont casting units that include stoves, bending, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. It's the Full Court Press. One of the things that's also kind of perplexing in watching this team is uh, the use of Rudy Gay. It makes me wonder if they're just trying to still showcase him so they can move him. <laughs> what are they trying to move him for? A ham sandwich? <laughs> Honestly, like, what are they getting out of him? I don't know what they could get like out a, of him. Like a soda taking, machine? He's getting space and taking up time that younger developing players should be able to get. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's never too late or too cold to get rid of that old vehicle. Now is the time to earn extra cash by calling DD Auto and Salvage. Let them pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204 today. See store for details. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson and Jason Walker. 435-339-0321. Chime in on the Full Court Press today. Uh, talking about the Utah Jazz. And just interesting contrast between uh, the two franchises who have a pretty proud history between the two of them, Utah and Houston. Teams that have uh, pretty much regularly been in you know playoff contention, playoff teams have stars. Houston has certainly won championships and been in the in the hunt for more championships than Utah has. But um, right now, you know, the both teams traded away their all-stars and are taking different approaches to you know, developing their next generation uh, and their new look, where Houston is going pretty much exclusively with all young guys. Uh, Aaron Gordon is the one veteran that they keep trotting out there and uh, for Houston, whereas Utah has young guys too, but they, they're pairing them with veterans. And so the philosophy is we're going to rebuild um, while also maintaining a, 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 a competitive culture. And there's a couple of plays, and I know that some of them made the highlights and have been circulating on social media today, where Houston looked young. Not passing the ball around, not executing properly, turning the ball over, and making you know, young player mistakes. It's not that Utah is mistake-free, because certainly they do make their fair share. But they have veteran players in the mix who uh, kind of mitigate some of those and still keep the team competitive and fighting and uh, trying to be better. And one of the things that we were wondering about after this five-game losing streak is would this team be broken 
after having so many games to the wire and they couldn't break through? Uh, or would they eventually break through? Now, granted, it was just Houston. That's one game, and Houston is a bad team. But the Jazz now head out on the road to hit, uh, to face Chicago, who's kind of in a similar situation as the Jazz are in standings. Um, and then, let's see, it's Chicago, and then who after that? Memphis, I Memphis, believe. that's right. Who's definitely a very different situation, but uh, Utah and Memphis always play pretty competitive. Yeah, they're always pretty tough games. So it should be a nice couple of games to round out the weekend. Uh, again, both of them on the road, so it'll be tricky. And um, yeah, they're not going to be the young, imperfect Houston Rockets, who you know they they are super young because they have ten players under the age of twenty three, and four of their basically full time starters are under the age of twenty three. Wow! The Jazz have four players <clears throat> total on their roster under 23, and Walker Kessler is the one who gets the most minutes out of those. Two of them don't even play, really. So, yeah, One of the other things that was nice about last night was uh, the play of Oche Agbaji uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, after the game the other night against Sacramento, um, Wa- uh, Will Hardy uh, inserted Oba- Agbaji into the lineup at different stretches during the game and afterwards said, we got to find ways to get him on the court more. And he came in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, uh, charged to the basket, threw down a dunk, then flared out to the wing and hit a three, almost ran the same play, hit another three. And just like that, I mean, this guy's playing with confidence and making plays on offense and on defense. So we know that here's his first-round draft pick, this guy who was in the nationally prominent college basketball team and played a large role on that team, but we really haven't seen his game translate to the NBA just yet. But last night was a good showing of what his potential can can be. Yeah, it's one of the, this is probably the one thing where it's like you, you're a bit frustrated with this. You know, no, not, they're not playing. You know, young players. They're not bottoming out the way Houston is. Um, you know, so it's it's produced you know a, a decent team, it's one that's probably going to end up in the play-in. Um, probably somewhere between seven, seven and ten, but it's led to not playing a guy like Ochag Baji. You know, Houston, they just play all their young guys. As I said, like their entire roster is made up of young guys, so they just play all of them. The Jazz aren't going that way. Kessler, Walker Kessler's earned his minutes by being great. True, he's basically an all rookie. He's going to be the all rookie center. I don't know if anybody else is even in contention for being uh, the center on the all rookie team. Um, Agbaji's not a guy who's really earned it as much. Um, you know, he projects as a guy who can be three and D. He's not necessarily going to project to be the diamond in the rough, you know, the Kawhi Leonard's or whatnot that just kind of randomly come out of the late lottery. But he's a guy who could be a nice athletic three and D. And like, I want to see that developed and I want to see it developed more than I want to see Rudy Gay out there playing. <laughs> so there's reasons to be playing Agbaji. Um, we know he's going to make mistake because he's not a very, you know, well-developed player where, you know, Kessler, his archetype fits very well in, you know, playing good year one as a center where if you can block, you know, you know, protect the rim and rebound and catch shots and put them in like that's literally all you need to do as a backup center. Um, and he does all three of those things very well. So he looks really good as a center in, in his role. Um, if he wants to be a star, he's going to have to expand on some of those skills. But 
he has the skill set that will allow him to play really well right now. Agbaji kind of does. You have to be a little more skilled out there on the wing. He's not quite as skilled right now. Uh, defensively, it's a, you know, it can be a little more tricky out there defending you know, a lot quicker, a lot more talented guys. Whereas Kessler, you know, secondary rim protection can be, I'm not saying it's simple, but it, it's a little more straightforward. Right, yeah, that's true. The, the <coughs> basics of how to play that position uh, translate better t- or, or continue through to the NBA than how that transitions for other positions on the court. Yeah. Because the skill level, speed, and understanding angles are uh, very different in the NBA than it is in college. Yeah. So, Ragbaji, he's probably struggling a little bit. Granted, he still has some positive defensive analytics. But obviously, the transition's a bit tougher for him, so it's not as easy for him to earn those minutes. But still, try him out there a bit. Try and get him through all that. Uh, so, interesting game last night for the Jazz. Um, you know, just... Uh, you know, 49 points from Markinen, very efficient and how he does that. Uh, I, again, that's one of the hallmarks. Uh, eight boards, one assist. The other thing, true, in, uh, that they showed on the post game last night is that for three straight games, he has been uh, perfect at the free throw line, at least 12 free throws made in each of those three games. And uh, I, I don't remember if they said that it was a jazz record or an NBA record. But regardless, it's a pretty special achievement for Lowry Markkinen. Very uh, special achievement. What he's doing at the free throw line. Go get him a piece of paper and write that on there. (laughs) Special achievement. That is pretty insane, though. I I mean, I can look up and see if anybody's been perfect from the line on that many free throws. I don't know that other criteria of at least 12 and three straight games. That is pretty insane, though. To be perfect from the line, I mean, what is he over the last? He's missed one free throw. Since Christmas, and he's attempting like ten, almost ten per game since Christmas. That's awesome, and, and that's one of the other signs of you know, the great players in the NBA. They find ways to get points standing still at the free throw line, uh, finding ways to get to the free throw line and and score there. You know, on Donovan Mitchell's night where he put seventy one on, twenty of those points came at the free throw line. Yeah, with nobody guarding him. Yeah, when you can get to the free throw line, that's a great source of points. Um, it is among, you know, if you're a good free throw shooter, it's among the more efficient um, shots in the game. More efficient, again, if you're a good free throw shooter, it can be more efficient than a layup attempt. Heck, I think there was one year where I think James Harden with his um, free throw shooting, his free throw attempts were worth more than a Giannis dunk. Like on a per possession basis, like dunk attempt, because obviously you don't, you know you don't make every dunk, especially the way Yaris tries to just throw it down on people. Sometimes he <laughs> miss, but you know, and especially if he can get fouled on three point shots, that's where Harden was even more valuable. Is he get fouled on three point shots, and that's where it would become more valuable than basically any shot on the court is, because you only know, shoot three free throws at eighty something percent, and you're gonna sh- you know get two point something points per possession, and so. You know, if you can get fouled, great source of points. Heck, on Utah State, Stephen Ashworth is a guy who, and even Max Chilga are guys who can get value at the free throw line. Dan Akin, too, is actually shooting better at the line, yeah. and he goes to the line a lot. Very respectable. Yeah, so really fun to see um, what's happening here with Utah. Uh, they've been very competitive. They're outside of a couple of games here and there all season, 
they have been competitive in every game they've played. And so, uh, interesting contrast last night. Two teams trying to develop new young talent and remake themselves. And Utah doing it in a way that um, is involving, you know, they're, they're young players, but also they're veterans and giving young guys opportunities, but also kind of making it clear that if you want to seize time on the court, you have to earn it. You're not going to get it just because you're young. And so that's what's kind of interesting about these two teams and how different they are. So, you know, looking at the, the upcoming schedule for Utah, they do have tonight off. It's a travel day for them. Uh, tomorrow they'll be at Chicago. Uh, we'll have that here on the fan, pregame at 5.50, tip-off at 6. And on Sunday, part of a back-to-back, they'll make the trip down to Memphis and uh, an early afternoon game for Utah. It'll be a 4 o'clock tip our time on Sunday afternoon before they return home and welcome Donovan Mitchell back to the friendly confines of Vivint Smart Home Arena. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how friendly it is. There's, there's mixed feelings. There's the fans that were... Just absolutely did not like Donovan by the end. Um, personally, I think a lot of the dislike from Utah fans to Donovan Mitchell is unwarranted. Um, I don't blame Jazz fans for not missing him because there are you know there are reasons where I wanted him gone too. Um, part of that was just you know I didn't want him you know I didn't feel like they were going to win a championship, so the best move was just to move him anyway. Some fans just openly dislike him. Which I can't control who you like or dislike, but yeah, I, that I don't get. Like I understand people who are like, yeah, it's time to move on from Donovan, but people who don't just actively don't like him, I don't get that. Yeah, he was a respectable representative of the state and, and of the franchise. Uh, great player, made it to the uh, All Star team, in um, multiple playoff runs. I, I just I don't get those that are actively trashing on Donovan. Yeah, and, and the dude was professional too. Yes. Like, he was everything he wants. Just there are some people who didn't like his politics. I think that's one reason why, is he, they just projected their dislike of his politics. Which weren't really overtly yeah. political. He's, he wasn't like LeBron James out here who just spouts off on everything. Mitchell yeah, like, just, are you guys going to ask me my opinion on X, Y, and Z? Uh, okay, I thought I was going to ask you about the game. But okay, but LeBron, let's talk about your political opinions about X, Y, and Z. Yeah, so it's like th- there were reasons why I wanted Donovan Mitchell gone, but I didn't think he was a bad person. I mean, and I'm seeing all the gaslighting he's doing in Cleveland, and I still don't, you know, dislike him. Like all the, all the crap he's saying there. So it's like, oh, that's kind of funny he's doing that. Yeah. Like he's, in some ways, he's made himself, you know, dislikable by what he's done in Cleveland, and I still like, okay, whatever. I know that's what he does. He's still being somewhat professional about it. But the fact that he's kind of, Open that door in some jazz fans' mind to being hateable. I feel like I wonder if there's going to be a little intermittent booze there, yeah, along he, with some cheers. Because, like I said, it's a bit of a split as far as who's still just perfectly fine with Donovan and those who openly dislike him. Yeah, very different exit with Donovan Mitchell and uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, and so, uh, anyway. We'll talk more about that next week, I'm sure. It'll be hard to avoid. It'll yeah, be right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, we need to take another time out here in the Full Court Press. Uh, more to talk about. Other issues that are going on in sports, especially close to home. Utah State getting ready to uh, take on Boise State. Update uh, some really interesting games in the West Coast Conference that could affect Utah State and uh, their current rankings. We'll talk about that next on the Full Court Press.
Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is locally owned and operated inside the beautiful new Three Peaks Medical Plaza in North Logan. Expect the most cutting-edge techniques, qualified doctors, and friendly staff to ensure the highest quality patient care. The ENT providers have extensive training to properly treat ear, nose, and throat conditions for adults and children. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat serves all of northern Utah and southern Idaho, accepting most insurance products, including SelectMed. Go to CashValleyENT.com for appointments and details. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, located in North Logan and Providence. Let's start the new year right with a huge winter clearance at Daryl's Appliance. You know Daryl's for their scratch and dent appliances. Now save an extra 10% off through January 14th. They have selected appliances marked down to move fast. Plus, get 18 months financing on your purchase and you'll get Daryl's exclusive additional two-year warranty. And the famous Daryl's difference because service always comes first. Only at Daryl's Appliance, west on Airport Road. It's that first kiss, that moment in time. It's that look in her eye when you get the first sign. We make it personal, you know when it's real. Something for everyone, we know how you feel. Jared's fine jewelry. Make it special, make it Jared's. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac automatic standby generators. Power you can count on. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. At Napa Auto Parts, you can save up to $19 a pair on silicone wiper blades from Trico and Rain-X. They have diesel additives from Howes, Power Service, Schaefer's, and Stenadine. All on, they're all in stock. So go check it out. They have their Napa case lot sale going on as well. They've got five locations between Preston and Providence, locally owned. That's Napa Auto Parts. So kind of an exciting night last night in college hoops. Uh, did not involve the Mountain West. At least not directly, but indirectly, it absolutely affects the Mountain West, particularly USU, because the Aggies had uh, kind of a, a West Coast Conference non-conference schedule uh, this year. Several teams out of the West Coast that Utah State played, and um, there was a pretty exciting night, opportunities for some really big wins for some of those former opponents of the Aggies. San Francisco, they had Gonzaga on the ropes. They led by 10 at halftime. Uh, the things got uh, kind of tight for both teams in the second half, but eventually Gonzaga, number nine in the country, ekes out a win, and they win by two at San Francisco. It would have been a big win for the uh, for San Francisco and for Utah State Aggies. Yeah, the Dons, tri- or they led by two with like a little over a minute to go, and then they just couldn't close that out, getting outscored by you know 12 in the second half. Um of course, San Francisco, they're 0-3 in conference now, 
eleven and seven overall, so slipping a little bit. Yeah, they're not. That's not helping the Aggies. Yeah, but uh, others are helping the Aggies. Yeah, Santa Clara uh, beating Pepperdine, eighty-nine to seventy-nine. Uh, San Diego unfortunately lost to Pacific. Uh, that was a close game, but uh, San Diego lost by two. Uh, and then Loyola Marymount beating BYU 64 to 59. Yeah, so Loyola keeping going strong. So there's, you know, there's some that are going strong for uh, for Utah State, you know, former opponents, Utah Valley. I saw an NCAA tournament projection that had Utah Valley in the tournament. I think that was probably based off of winning the the, the automatic qualifier. Yeah, the automatic the qualifier. Um, but still goes to show what you know Utah Valley is doing right now. Um, Granted, I don't read really into any, at least I don't read too much. Like, it shows kind of where you're at, like if you're doing good, that you're in one of these early bracketologies, but like, I don't read into it as, oh yeah, they're going to make the tournament. Because <laughs> that's worthless, especially the ones we all go to, like Joe Lunardi, like there's bracket rankings like that use, you know, math and, and um, you know, showing how accurate you are. And Joe Lunardi, like out of the, there's one that has like a couple hundred uh, brackets that they put yearly on there, and Lunardi ranks like in the 80s. He's like one of the worst in terms of his accuracy. His accuracy, but he does it all year, so everyone goes to him. Right, he's always updating it. Yeah, cause these other ones, a lot of them that rank really high, they don't release one until like the week before the actual tournament, so they're not really useful for week in week out hyping yourself up. Because oh, this week Joe Lunardi has us as the last four in. <laughs> So bracket matrix is also kind of interesting to go check out. They like I think uh, that's the one. Consolidate everybody. Everybody who puts together kind of a, a proposed bracket. And so they'll put everything together and then do uh your average seed and they right now would have Utah State based on everybody's brackets that are out there. Utah State is a uh, is a 10 seed. And they're the third Mountain West team. In the tournament, San Diego yeah. State would be a six, New Mexico an eight. Yeah, bracket matrix is the one that has the rankings for all these different people. They have another tab where you can look at some of the consensus ones, but they they rank how accurate people are. And like I said, a lot of the ones you go to are really inaccurate. <laughs> and I wasn't saying like you specifically. A lot of the ones no, no, we no. go to, right? Yes. Uh, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. Utah State at Boise State. We'll break that matchup down coming up on the Full Court Press. Cubex Fitness is offering their best deal of the year. For a limited time, become a Cubex member and get your first two months for free. Then only pay $15 per month with no contract. Receive the Cubex Nutritional Guide ebook for free. Work out at Cubex with their virtual trainers in complete privacy without any concerns or distractions or comparisons. Make 2023 your year. Achieve your goals at Cubex Fitness in Logan. $75 cancellation fee at time of cancellation. Experience Sunday brunch at Prodigy Brewing on Center Street. Churro French toast, beignets and berries, and everyone's favorite chili quiles. A delicious combination of eggs, house-made enchilada sauce, tortilla chips, avocado, and pico. Brunch has an all-new meaning of tasty when you visit Prodigy Brewing. Serve Sundays 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Prodigy's atmosphere is vibrant, energetic, and friendly. Whether it's with family or friends, Sunday brunch at Prodigy Brewing is a delicious experience. Prodigy Brewing, exceptional food, extraordinary service, and family-friendly on Center Street in downtown Logan. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain climb. This is Lance Zollinger, president at Cash Valley Bank. 
To conquer the mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. For more than a century, S.E. Needham Jewelers has been repairing jewelry and watches in Cash Valley. We do all our work on premises, and you may even talk directly with our expert technicians. We also have today's state-of-the-art equipment, including a laser welder that will repair jewelry with precision. We guarantee our work and offer competitive prices. So whether repairing your precious wedding ring, sizing a ring, or simply changing a watch battery, come to Utah's oldest jewelry store with today's newest technology and repair. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric Franson, Jason Walker, yes, here on the Full Court Press. We'd love to hear from you also. 435-339-0321. Join us here on the Full Court Press text line. Uh, we've been talking about the Utah Jazz, the NBA, uh, rebuilding teams and just some different storylines there, how Jazz are taking a different approach than Houston. Uh, look, Utah, Utah was never really going to be able to successfully bottom out and chase for the number one pick, or at least the number one, two, or three pick based on some of the other teams that were already ahead of them in that, in that race. Uh, Detroit has only won 11 games. Charlotte's only won 10. Uh, Houston has only won 10. San Antonio has only won 12. Unfortunately, one of those was against Utah. But the, the Jazz just were not going to be one of those teams that would race to the bottom like that. Um, so, it, uh, I don't know. We'll see. There's still a lot of movement that can still happen with the trade deadline. Maybe Utah is a place that a lot of other teams want to try to pilfer and uh, and and take talent to help bolster their rosters and their teams and their own playoff aspirations. But Utah's not just going to sell guys to sell guys. They're going to accumulate more picks or more future assets. What they need to do is they need to try and trade guys to the Lakers, lift the Lakers above the, you know, the Timberwolves and also them. Like the lowest the Jazz could go, like worst of the worst, is probably like 13th. As you mentioned, guys like the Spurs and Rockets, they're racing to the bottom. The Jazz are not. They're a team that looks like they could finish, you know, like I said, it worst worst of the worst possibility is 13. But that's if so many things go wrong. Realistically, 10 or 11 is about where they're probably going to bottom out. Just because they're a little bit better than probably the Timberwolves. Maybe if they trade guys, they can dip down to 11 or 12. But right now is probably about as low as they're going to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because you got teams like Minnesota who's starting to have a roster in disarray, guys that are not happy with what's going on there. And so do they move them? And what kind of moves, how does that affect their team in trying to get back into the playoff hunt? Um, but uh, right now it looks like Utah is probably going to be in that play-in tournament range. And um, while they may miss out on the number one overall pick or one, two, and three, um, you know they they still have other ways of of getting pretty high level picks if they want. Yeah, they'll be able to you know combine between their pick and the Timberwolves pick. They may have a chance at getting a top three pick, or I think you can jump into the top five. I think is what the odds dictate. So if you can get that, 
there's guys one through five. You know, this is a very deep draft in terms of superstar level guys at the top. Normally there's like one guy, and if you're lucky, there's two of them. There's like three or four in this draft that we think can be a lot better than, than you know most drafts. So if you can get that top three pick, be spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, next hour we'll get into Utah State and Boise State. Aggies take on the Broncos tomorrow afternoon. The game will be on FS1. Stay tuned. We'll have that next. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. After Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin collapsed on Monday night, the league in its entirety is eagerly awaited promising news about his health, as well as the NFL's contingency plan for canceling that game. Thankfully, the NFL world received some encouraging updates on Hamlin yesterday. The 24-year-old is currently awake with the use of his extremities and has shown significant improvement, according to the doctors. Hamlin is still considered to be critically ill, but after countless hours, with no update, the news of Hamlin's progress is a breath of fresh air. Hamlin's health is obviously what is most important, but there are still the football issues that need to be addressed. That answer was revealed yesterday, with the NFL outlining a detailed description of the league's plan for multiple problematic scenarios. As of right now, the league's proposal still needs to be voted on by the owners. But after a long week of being in the dark, it's nice to finally get some clarity on one of the league's most sensitive topics of the year. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 